Hello and welcome wrestling fans, wrestling extraordinaires, whatever you want to call it. Welcome. I have no other words to say other than welcome. That's the only thing I'm thinking of right now. I am Nicholas Jason Lopez, editor-in-chief and owner of a proud little website, my baby, ProWrestlingOpinion.com. It's your go-to source for pro wrestling news, reviews, and all the like. You can also check out my music site, The Music Bugle. News, reviews, all that good stuff. Check it out. I got two children at home, technically speaking. I guess I'm a working I'm a working father. I have proud technological babies. And you're in for an audio treat because it is the RSN Wrestling Podcast. And it is our I, I forget how many of these we've done. But it is our hashtag Slamalamies. Now, try to count how many M's are in that, and uh, you might have yourself a drinking game there. But I am, as we discussed before, Nicholas, and I'm going to throw it to uh, Rich and Sal. They'll have their own fancy little intro as well. Have the floor, gentlemen. Hey guys, so yeah, my name is Sal. Of course, I'm the SNRSN, the RSN Wrestling Podcast. And to answer your question, Nick, how many M's are in Slam and Lammies? If you're talking about years and M's, I would say about what, four? This is our fifth Slam and Lammies, I'd say, or quote unquote year ending review show. So, of course, you know, this is just where we break down all the shows and everything, breaking down all the stuff from 2019, the year before, and just breaking it down from there. I know we got Rich, who's actually. You know, we've, been, we've both been following really, really big. I think all of us have been following really big. But, you know, you got to talk about Rich, too. Rich, hello, man. What's up, guys? What's going on, guys? This is the big guy, the guy who runs the Instagram page, Twitter page, half of the Facebook page, which, by the way, on the Instagram page, we're doing a new thing. Instead of doing the birthdays right before the New Year's ended, I decided that we're going to start doing Superstar of the Week, where each one of us selects a different superstar. And from Monday through Friday, I'm posting two pictures of each superstar. So far, it's been a big hit. We've gotten a couple of superstars to actually like the pictures, such as Brian Pillman Jr., he liked all the pictures of his father that I did. Uh, unfortunately, the only one who was a big fail, unfortunately, happened to be Nick's first pick, which was Baron Corbin, which everyone understands why. But the reason why everyone's here tonight, Sal, take it away with the first award of the Slamalamis for 2019. Uh, yeah, so I mean, just to kind of break this down, uh, in terms of what we have here, so every year we go ahead and actually break down what's going on uh, in wrestling, of course, and that's across all promotions, not just uh, WWE, but also ROH, you know, Impact, we talk about uh, AEW, you know, uh, MLW, all these big promotions, everything going on wrestling, New Japan included, all these different promotions, but basically breaking down different kind of topics and then talk, and then we kind of talk about who stood out that whole year. So, of course, you know, the first topic, of course, bringing it in. Um, we got to talk about, of course, women, well, female of the year, I would say. Female superstar of the year, I think. Because, again, if you think about it, from 2018, there's this whole, 
I guess, surge of the women's movement and kind of pulling, pushing that more, you know. Um, you know, of course, that WrestleMania, they started to go ahead and actually headlining. That was the first year that this ever happened where the women headlined Mania. So I think it would be, you know, it wouldn't be, you know, it wouldn't be the, you know, 2019 without talking about, of course, the women. So, I mean, let's talk about this first. The women's wrestling in 2019. What are your guys' thoughts overall of 2019 and women's wrestling? I would like to start that one off. I think it was kind of underwhelming. Uh, well, besides the uh, the big three main event uh, of uh, Becky, uh, Rhonda, and Charlotte, um, they probably did the best they could with it. Um, but don't forget, this match kind of went on at 12.30, 1 a.m. in the morning. After, uh, I think, about seven hours of of wrestling and pre-shows and all of that stuff. So, if anybody was actually awake to watch it, they probably wouldn't have been as enthusiastic. I also thought the uh, three-way at Survivor Series was highly disappointing as well. Now, did 2019 bring us a lot of good things? Yeah, sure. Uh, Becky Lynch... Didn't I mean maybe she did cool off a bit ever since her 2018, um, but she still manages to be the most popular face in the company. They slap her her picture on on anything and it sells. She was on the front cover of the video game. Um, you just throw her name anywhere and everywhere, and even people who haven't heard of WWE will actually they'll actually respond to Becky Lynch's name because they they. They hear her name so much. Just to see Becky kind of progress to this mega superstar kind of level, it's it's almost underwhelming if you actually think about it, considering how she came up. Uh, kind of like an NXT breakthrough. She was kind of like the jokester in Team PCB. Stuff like that. So it's just amazing just to see her progress. Um, I, I am probably one of the few who actually likes Heel Bailey. And I think we actually got a more defined character, which is something that she was struggling with for the longest time. But I, I, I think uh, probably the biggest sin of the women's wrestling in, in 20, uh, 2019 was that we didn't really have one defining moment, per se. Outside of Sasha Banks and Becky Lynch at Hell in a Cell, which was probably the only match that captivated me, we didn't really get one standout performance on the main roster NXT did manage to have a few show stealers, and we have a really good view of what the future could bring us. But on the main roster, I, I just don't know. I'm I'm losing hope a little bit. But this Becky Oscar feud right now is giving me a little bit of hope. So yeah. Yeah. that's the only thing. Um, so yeah, 2019 women's wrestling. Yeah, it had the spotlight, but I feel like we moved back a couple of steps from all the progress that we made the years beforehand. Well said, well said. I mean, well, just to transition this, I mean, well, we got, well, let's break down our, our picks. So, I mean, Rich, we got to talk about your pick. So I think what uh, Nick was talking about goes just in line with your pick right here. So, of course, like, you know, we talk about WWE and Becky Lynch and everything, but on the opposite end, I guess, on the other parallel, right, we got to talk about this pick. So take it away, man. Your pick for female of the year. Well, even though she's had a little controversy in the past couple days. 
she is known for fighting men, no matter who it is, whether it's Brian Cage, Sammy Callahan, Madman Bolton, whatever the hell his name is, Dave Christ, Jake Christ. She's her father is a well-known legend. Her stepfather is a well-known legend. My pick for female of the year, Tessa Blanchard. The undeniable Tessa Blanchard. I mean, we talk about Tessa Blanchard. That's probably what, like, I mean, the reason I say this is parallel because for the whole year, we probably heard a lot about Tessa, like, you know, and making a mark about not just female wrestling, but then also about intergender wrestling and putting that in the spotlight, which, of course, WWE has, like, a lot of, like, you know, detours. They're kind of like, hey, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't touch that. That's a very touchy subject. I mean, think about it. In Royal Rumble 2019, they had... Nia Jax is number 30, which was kind of like, okay, I guess that was their attempt to do that. But then it was like, why bother, you know? But now if you're looking at, I think we can all agree, intergender wrestling, probably Indies are probably the best place for that. If you're talking about that, Tessa Blanche is probably on the um, face of that. I mean, for me, I I, I mean, for, I have to tell you about my pick. I picked Charlotte simply because of the fact that she kind of blends it to, I'd say, in a sense. I mean, look at her. Her dad is goddamn Ric Flair for a sense. But then on top of the fact, it's kind of like if you see her whole year, she started out, you know, kind of being overshadowed by all these other people and everything like that. Between Sasha getting her whole reboot, between Becky Lynch, you know, blowing up, Bailey just kind of sitting in the shadows. But then you see Charlotte, she usually doesn't have that much of a place compared to years prior. So I think for her, it's kind of like you see her, like, you know, they gave her the title heading into Mania. She ended up winning that. I think she won. Uh, she went a rock hard. I don't know. I think she won a couple of bug titles throughout the throughout the year. And then where you have her, probably towards the end of the year, she got the title back. So I think long term, of course, this is basically their golden goose right here. They're kind of like, you know what? We're not trying to let go of this. She's athletic. She can do it. And goddamn, she's dating fucking Andrade and almost like, come on, you know? Yeah, they're engaged. So, you know, of course, now you got that too. You know, not just a female star, but then also, you know, a potential big male star that they're looking for, you know, trying to hit that Latino demographic. So for me, I, I pick Charlotte. Which isn't a bad pick. And then that leaves one. That does leave one. It does leave one. All right. So I know I talked pretty well about Becky Lynch, uh, but my pick is actually a little bit different. Uh, kind of goes along the line of... Uh, Someone who uh, probably shined a little bit more in the second half of the year, but irregardless, still shining nevertheless. No, I'm not talking about Bianca Belair. Calm down. But what you're be in a the right ballpark. Actually. It could happen. You never know. Probably years, maybe next year, maybe down the line. You never know. You never know. But I think she's well on her way. But she's someone who is there right now, Rhea Ripley. And... Uh, after watching Survivor Series and the build to it, um, she was treated like a main star from the get-go. And being the one to unthrone Shayna Baszler, who has pretty much defeated everybody in singles competition. They throw them all together in a match and she still beats everybody. Um, you know, having that rub is, is huge. And it was the perfect... It was a perfect time to strike while the iron was hot. Um, NXT did a good job, as usual. And we got our payoff on TV in, in an absolutely electric match. And the, the time couldn't be more right. 
Now, will Shayna probably move on to the main roster? I I'm, I don't know for sure with this whole uh, brand split thing in effect. NXT is kind of treated as its own entity, not kind of looked at as developmental per se. But, uh, you know, if Shayna does move away from the NXT brand, Rhea is kind of already up there at the top. And there's an endless, endless supply of talent right there in NXT that will that should keep her busy for at least a good six, seven months. And you could throw any of them at Ripley, get a quality match. She's and kind also, of the total package. Character, and also a plus. The character is there. The theme is there. That's the right. entrance is fire. Yeah. Her in-ring skills are awesome. Yeah. It's, you, you can't go wrong. And not to mention Survivor Series. She had a really good, really good Survivor Series weekend too. Yeah. So right. she's already she's already been taken seriously as a, as a superstar, and there's nowhere else for her to go but up. I think 2020 is going to just be more of the same. She'll actually probably get even. She'll shine even brighter with the spotlight directly on her. But she worked hard to get to where she is. That's for sure. Yeah. So that and, warrants my pick. And also a plus, she started the year as the UK Women's Champ end of the year as the NXT Women's Champ. It's true. And probably then, the first person to do that. Yeah, probably the first person. The only. Yeah. And then also... Because was either, cause it's either her, Tony Storm, or Kaylee Ray. The only three women to hold the UK title. Yeah. And then it's kind of like, well, they, they I think they launched the UK brand officially this year, right? With the titles. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so... In end of December 2018, beginning January 2019, it started. Yeah. I mean, you got to think about it. This girl was born in 96. She's probably a lot younger than all of us. And that's crazy. Like, you know, she blew up, like, all this time and everything. I think in 2016, 2017, you saw her with the blonde hair. And now you see her with the whole change, whole character change and everything. So it just comes to show, like, you know, you change yourself, you keep developing yourself. Things are always going to turn out, you know? So, it's you know, hats off to her. I mean, we talk about NXT. Before we go, I would say, later, we're going to kind of ricochet. No, no pun intended. We're going to ricochet back into something uh, towards the end of the podcast. But I think this is a probably fitting time to talk about this. Superstar of the Year. So Superstar of the Year in terms of the whole year, NXT, Raw, SmackDown, you know, Indies, whatever it is. We're talking about the top superstar of 2019 that, that uh, really had a good year creatively, professionally, whatever it was from there. We gotta, of course, break this down. I mean, we talk about NXT and talk like that. NXT probably like launched the whole brand. We talk about this every single week, every single big four pay per view that there is a weekend. You know, what's the brand that always kills it? NXT. A takeover always beats SummerSlam. It always beats Survivor Series. Beats Mania if it has to. It beats everything. But we gotta talk about the top performer. I think me and Rich had the same pick for this this topic. Adam Cole. I'll let you take it away, Rich. No, say it correctly. Wait, 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 hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it, hold say, it, hold it. Say it correctly. Yeah. Everyone knows it's an RSN tradition. Yes, yes. When you say his name, you got to say the whole thing. Yeah, take it away. Sal, who was your pick for 2019 Superstar of the Year? It's Adam Cole, baby. That's how you properly say his name. Yeah, but we got to pause. That's the thing, too, you know? So, I mean, this guy... I mean, I'll let you take it away. You got because you know I know he's your favorite man. You gotta talk about this guy. What is to be honest? What's there to, to not say about his year? Yeah, it's true. But what makes twenty nineteen in your mind 
the best year for him. Why why does he stand out in 2019? One feud. Well, actually, two feuds. Gargano, Ciampa. That's it. Those two feuds made him the... Easily gave him, I want to say, maybe five five-star matches. Whether it was Gargano versus Cole, one, two, three, four, whatever amount of matches they had, or the War Games match against Ciampa. I mean, we no talk- matter what, yeah. no matter what, he put on match of the night, match of the month, match of the half a year, possibly match of the year. That's a fact. I mean, for me, I just picked this guy simply because of the fact that if you look at him from the beginning of the year, he was uh, seen as this guy that was like, okay, he's going to be an upcoming star. And then you saw him slowly taking that role. Of course, it started taking away from a whole Champa and Gargano thing. Because, you know, of injuries or whatever the reason was, maybe they were planning on putting, uh, you know, putting Gargano in the main roster or whatever. We had those rumors. And then the next thing you know, you know, he shows up in the Royal Rumble. And then it's this whole thing, like, okay, where is his place now? But then, you know, bringing in Adam Cole into the mix, and then, of course, the whole Undisputed Era element of it changed everything. You see the whole, like, the whole year, they dominated all over the place. And it's kind of like, you know, I mean, we'll probably get to this, too, when we talk about tag teams of the year and stuff like that. But it's... Also, know. I'm also I'm, can't wait to see this eight-man tag, Undisputed Era versus Imperium. Yeah. And I've got... Worlds yeah. Collide. Can't yeah. wait to see that. That's right. They had so many different feuds. I mean, of course, the fact that, you know, now recently they got Imperium versus, um, you know, the Undisputed Era. You talk about Survivor Series, they dominated during that time. You know, there's a whole bunch of uh, time periods. But then if you look at Adam Cole as an individual, you got to think about this guy went to the Indies. This guy, his friends are running a big company, a rival company, AEW. And, you know, he decided to stay with WWE because he's like, you know what? You know, uh, this is probably the place where I want to be. He wants to dominate here. You know, it's kind of like it's a different environment. People kind of look at him and go, why? Why would you go to WWE? You know, WWE doesn't see anything in you. But you see this guy now, he's dominating. He won the NXT title. You know, he had a, he's running a big faction that dominates NXT. You know, put on, like, big matches. If you see him from, what you call it, I think, what was it? Uh, There was a SmackDown, I think, where people were stranded, I think. Oh, the one the week before some uh, Survivor Series. Yeah, and I think we always talk about this. The invasion. Yeah. The invasion talk, angle. The invasion angle, exactly. Pre-Survivor Which, Series. Which, by the way, if you want to get a review of that, you could always just go to ProWrestlingOpinion.com, exactly. where Nicholas Lopez does segment-by-segment segment updates for all the fans. Right. There you go, Nick. Cheap plug. <laughs> we always got to talk wow, about I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty thoroughly impressed. But I think now might be the good time for me to take the floor. Yes. Uh, because I have <laughs> a different pick. Now, I'm not going to deny Adam. I, I had to, to just throw a plug in there. Yeah. It's going to be randomly throughout the show. One of us will do it. Yeah. Much appreciated. Well, yes. Yes, yes. Well, moving on, um, I'm going to talk about my pick of the year. Now, this might be a little bit maybe unorthodox. Um, again, not going to deny that Cole had a great year, uh, but I'll get a little bit more in-depth with that in my later pick. But as far as uh, overall marketability, uh, popularity, in-ring skill, uh, still bringing it at 49, and not to mention he is the 
kind of the head of AEW uh, as far as being its world champion. I'm talking about Chris Jericho. All right, yeah, maybe he let himself go a little bit, but listen, he's too much he's of the bubbly. Why the fuck? And why and everybody and 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 everybody in wrestling is is talking about the bubbly, a little bit of the bubbly. I mean, it, it's it's still amazing how he could turn out catchphrases left and right. Absolutely love the concept of the inner circle. People know who Sammy Guevara and Jake Hager and um, uh, that Santana other team. Santana Ortiz? P, uh, PNP, we'll call them. Santana Ortiz? Who they are now, just, just by attaching themselves underneath Jericho's wing. Um, it's a genius concept. It's a perfect kill foil. Now, I do think AEW has a little bit of a problem having uh, redeemable baby faces that aren't named Cody. Um, that they feel the need to attack every single time they want to debut somebody evil. But that's something I could talk about at a later time. Um, just as far as Jericho, he had that run. He's still he's still AEW champion. He's still got that run. He's being trusted as a top name for AEW to run with. Uh, whoever uncrowns him eventually will it'll make for a great moment. But, you know, you don't want to stop that... Uh, that momentum you get from having a heel champion right at the top of the brand. His match with Cody at full gear was about as good as can be. All right, the MJF stuff kind of muddied the water a little bit, but you can't you can't deny the match was good. Jericho could still bring it. He's killing it over in New Japan as well. Um, probably the only guy who's done WrestleMania, Wrestle Kingdom, and uh, now he's in AEW, WCW, ECW. I mean, you name it. The guy's still there. He's still he's still performing. Maybe he's lost a little bit of touch in the ring, but you can't deny he's still great on the mic. Inner circle is about as popular as he can be. He's got the word bubbly trending. I mean, I don't see where he could go wrong with Jericho now. And it's only going to get better as 2020 goes along. True. That's right. And this guy devoted, what, three years to AEW? That's a big fucking deal. Like, you're going to spend three years of your time that means that, you know, you really have some faith in this. You actually believe in this. And people were critics. They thought, you know, why the fuck would he do that? Why the fuck would he turn his back on Vince after all these years? He said, I would never work for another promotion in North America. And, you know, he ends up doing New Japan, and now he's in AEW. Wow, that's kind of fucked up. But then if you look at it, it makes sense. I mean, in terms of his character and what he's doing and stuff like that, reinventing himself, he wouldn't have been able to get away with some of the stuff that he's doing now in AEW Then what he was doing in WWE. So, I mean, it's just an extension of his character, but I think really it's just a rebirth. And, of course, you know, it just kind of brings him in the spotlight. You, you can just keep reinventing himself, you know? Um, but yeah. Jericho's the, Jericho is the king of reinvention. How he many is. different types of personas has he come up with? And now we have this AEW personality on top of it. Exactly. You know, he's got the the fancy jackets and the and the sunglasses. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and, oh, my God. God, I forgot. I forgot. I forgot the legend, the most legendary name. Oh God, he was in that video. Oh, what's this? Uh, Soul Train Jones. We can't forget the wrestling legend, Soul Train Jones. Oh, you talking about Virgil? No, he's Soul Train Jones. Soul Train. Yeah, Jones. same guy. Same guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's still, yeah. I mean, we so we talk about AEW. I mean, let's go off on a tangent. We got an, we got a couple of topics where we do talk about um, you know talking about AEW and stuff like that. 
this, this brings us to match of the year. So, I mean, we got two matches here that were from AEW. One match that was from NXT. Uh, let's start off with the whole signature that we got. So, RSN. Rich, take it away, brother. Because you, you got one that's from, from AEW, too, and I got one from AEW. My pick for match of the year was easily the biggest main event that was built up just for the fact of one of the people who were in the match departed from WWE and unexpectedly had a great promo video on not even Facebook, not on TV, Twitter. It was on YouTube. It was brother versus brother. Cody versus Dustin. Easily one of the best matches I've ever seen Dustin have. He got busted open. The blood blended in perfect with the red and black gear that he had. And then Cody cut the famous Dusty Rhodes promo on Dustin. And Dusty did it to Dustin in WCW. Cody did it in AEW, which led up to the Rhodes brothers versus the Young Bucks at Fight for the Fallen, I want to say this, which was also a great match. And it just proves not just best friends put on great matches as rivals, but brothers put on a great match even though they weren't rivals. It's true. I mean, that was, if you want to talk about storytelling, that match was probably all basically full storytelling. You talk about all the spots that they had, you know, between, you know, all the extreme moments and stuff like that, the entrance and everything that they had, you know, where, you know, Cody comes out and, you know, he goes ahead and breaks the sledgehammer over, um, you know, the, the chair symbolizing, oh, you know, basically just the big middle finger of the Triple H. And on top of the fact, they have this big match trending everywhere. It was this whole thing. Dustin breaks away from WWE as a producer role, now into like a big wrestling role, and now into a bit even bigger producer role. And on top of the fact, now they're building this whole thing. And they built it all around uh, Dusty, if you think about it. It was just this whole thing. I mean, if you're talking about storytelling, AEW does it great. Cody, Dustin, great match indeed. Uh, for me, I picked Jericho versus Adam, Adam Hangman Page in uh, AEW for the world title. So this was like this whole thing. They had a 10-man battle royal. I think this was all or nothing or no. So Adam Page won the all, I think all or nothing um, battle royal or double or nothing battle royal. And then uh, I think, what was it? That first, was it that first night where they were on TNT? They had a world title match, I think, right? I think, not 100% sure. Right. I think, well, I, I, it was like this whole thing, I guess this whole build. And it was this whole thing where, Jericho, I think, beat, was it Moxley or he beat um, Pac? I don't think it was Pac, right? For the qualifying match? Pretty sure. Yeah, again, this is so good. Like, I fucking forgot. But, like, I, I can't even remember. But it was like, it was such a, like, of course, the way that they had it built up. And of Hangman Page, who was like the hands on favorite, they thought, okay, this guy's going to take AEW into the future. They finally gave him the rocket ship. Like, oh shit, this, they're going to push this guy now. It's not Omega. It's not, you know, anybody. It's not one of the Young Bucks. It's not Cody. It's one of their best friends, Adam Hangman Page. 
we're just kind of like, wow, man, like you're really going to put this guy into, you know, the main card picture. And against who else? Jericho. We talk about Jericho, of course, being creative. I think that whole match told a story, but at the same time, at the end, it was kind of like, you know, they, the way they had it, it was like, oh, man, Hangman, you know, Hangman Page is about to win. And then the next thing you know, Jericho, of course, pulls out the victory. And it's kind of this whole thing where we were like, why would that happen? Why would they give it to someone that's already established? Why not establish Adam, Adam Hangman Page? When in reality, I think really it's going to help out Adam Hangman Page in the long run. So eventually, I think he's going to be the one. We talk about who's going to be the one to dethrone Jericho. I firmly believe 2020, heading into it, Adam Hangman Page is going to be the one that's going to take the belt off him at some point. But yeah. All right. Yeah. Nick, take it away. So, uh, let, yeah, let me piggyback off of that. Um, I do think Jericho will lose eventually, uh, probably within the first half of this year. But I think the money is right now with Moxley uh, being the one to do it. But I kind of, I kind of secretly want this whole Sting Hogan esque build where they kind of take a year to uh, to do it, and uh, and maybe Moxley finally dethrones Jericho towards the towards the end of the year. I kind of want this to last as long as possible. I kind of wish Moxley had actually embraced the inner circle, just uh, Orton and Bray Wyatt had done in WWE like three years prior except that it had been a terrible WrestleMania match. The storyline was still good. Um, I do think they could still tease things around a little bit although it's probably evident that Moxley Jericho is probably going to headline the next um, pay-per-view. It, it is what it is. And uh, as far as uh, Rich's pick uh, I do have to agree to an extent. I, th- I do think um, AEW was gaining momentum, but once Cody Dustin happened, that was kind of the moment that people looked at Twitter, they saw what, what was going on, and they knew that AEW was here to kind of stay, and they heard they're swinging the big bats. That was kind of the moment that AEW people stopped and looked, and they liked what they saw, and they all they wanted more of it. Easily, probably the best moment of both guys' career. Uh, Dustin always wanted his big moment. I think he got it there. Cody wanted his moment of retribution. Pretty sure he got it there. The promo that kind of ties everything together, the old school blood, the, the blood-filled canvas, just everything just comes together. And that probably would have been my had there not been a match earlier this in the year that... Uh, pretty much could have everything you could ask for in a wrestling main event uh, as far as these guys. Um, probably had more action than some of the best action blockbusters. Um, and there's no there's no other way to paint this. It might be NXT's best matter. Um, I, of course, I'm talking about uh, Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole, uh, the first one. <laughs> And the funny thing is, um, this wasn't even the intent. That wasn't even the intended main event. It was supposed to be Gargano against Trump, kind of culminating the end of this uh, years-long rivalry with the world. You know, with the title kind of in balance. Uh, Gargano kind of had his happy ending already kind of drawn out for him. An injury to Champa pretty much threw a curveball in everybody's plans. But Triple H as courageous a booker as ever just decided hey let's put five of my best guys in a match and have the guy who wins it move on to that event. of course we got adam Cole, 
And they made a, a, a prophecy at the beginning of the year, the, his group, the Undisputed Era, that they're all going to be champions. Uh, and the first half of the year, it didn't really pass. And they just kind of used that to lead into the second half. But let's talk about this match because it's one of the best matches I think I've ever seen. And the funny thing is, I fell asleep initially during it. But once I heard all the buzz about it, I had to watch it the next morning. And I think I had to watch it again. Just the way that everything played out, the near falls, the spots, the way that they worked in, um, the rest of the Undisputed Era members. Um, the last two minutes of that match is about as crisp as anything is ever going to be. And the crowd was, it, it was with them from start to finish. I mean, the part where Gargano, he, he's, he's jumping off other guys, doing DDTs and Tornado DDTs. And he's throwing people into ring posts, and he and he gets back into the ring, and boom, you get that that last that last shot from Adam Cole. Everybody thought that was going to be the end of the match, and by somehow, some god, Gargano kicks out. I feel like he um, Cole could have just threw Gargano into the fourth row, spilled something on him, throw him out the window, bring him back into the ring, do another last shot, pick him up, do another Canadian destroyer. Another last shot, and Gargano still probably would have. This is one of those moments that, while all right, maybe it, it leans a little bit more towards the melodramatic side. It's a, it's about as good as a match as you're ever gonna get in pro wrestling, and people are still talking about it today. You're probably gonna be hard pressed to find a match that's that good with those two. Of course, they probably they went and did it again on their second encounter, but I, I'm always gonna prefer the first one. Something in the air that night, the organic feel. I don't. I don't think uh, you're ever gonna top that. That's probably what you want in uh, in an NXT takeover the night before, two nights before WrestleMania. And it's still, I I think, Gargano and Cole's best match uh, in their career date. Rightfully, what else could you ask for a match? Near falls, um, smartly worked spots. Great in-ring storytelling, logical psychology, about everything you could ask for. Total package. And I'm not talking Lex Luger, who wants to do that. But Fuck Lex yeah, that, that's, that's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, you talk about, you know, everything working in perfect synchrony. Everything is perfect, you know? Um, it was, but, yeah. It was in harmony. Perfect. Yeah. perfect harmony. Everything's organic. It's all smooth. It's supposed to go the way that it's supposed to go. And even better. But then we also, I mean, we got to talk about, I think this brings us to our next topic. Botches of the year. This is like a small subtopic, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> 2019. Filled with botches, man. I mean, we got to talk about this. Overall, all the years, I mean, let's kind of, we'll, we'll backtrack it. So we'll start with Nick. We'll start backwards from the Arsenal Wrestling format. Um, Nick, you got to tell us, man. Why the hell... Uh, Goldberg at Saudi Arabia was a botch. Wait, what? When did I say yeah, that? Yeah, that was my pick. Yeah. Oh, wait, one sec. Yeah. Ah, was, I, oh. see, I see what Sal did. <laughs> he botched hey, it. Yeah, I, I actually picked something. I see. Uh, yeah, what he I did. picked something. Uh huh. So Sal botched the botch of the year. I botched category. the botch of the year. Yeah. That's what's up. I'm telling you, good way. It's a good way of kind of bringing this topic in, I guess. So, I mean, let's talk about nah, it. Nah, so. you fucked up. Just, 
<laughs> All right. Well, good um, one, Sal. I will start. Yeah. Good one, Sal. Yeah, I see that. Uh-huh. But yeah. But I do like the idea of starting the off. Uh, well, it's not, you know. We'll, 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 uh, two, we'll two negatives make a positive. Three. Two negatives make a positive. That's okay. Two negatives do make a positive. Yeah. I, I just wish I could kind of go back 10 years so I could pass chemistry class, but that's neither here nor there. Now, uh, my botch of the year uh, happened right towards the end. Um, as I, I was trying to think of, of moments, and uh, you two kind of uh, took the other, you know, possible ones that could happen. Um, but I'm going to go with probably the most uh, genuine one <laughs> was, uh, you know, Dash Wilder tripping uh, in the portion of uh, Revival's entrance on down and uh, I think that just kind of personifies Smackdown as a whole on Fox ever since they moved it's just kind of it's kind of been a, a, a what the hell kind of thing it's uh, th- there's not really a lot of emotion uh, things are just kind of thrown out there it's a little bit too commercialized for my liking uh, compare this to Smackdown Live's uh, start um, when they first implemented the brand split in 2016 the land of opportunity we ain't got no opportunity in this SmackDown, that's for sure. Outside of the one episode where NXT took over and we had a match, Adam Cole and Daniel Bryan, which was almost going to be my match. WWE TV match of 2018, uh, 2019. I'm, I'm, still t- I'm still two years back, forgive me. But, um, but because of that, I just... Uh, Dash kind of falling in the entrance just is kind of perfect. Uh, you know, uh, and I, I love that he actually, you know, they kind of used it um, in the moment. Um, they didn't falter. They didn't play off of it. And they just kind of just kept rolling with it. But, you know, it, 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 was, it was screenshot. And, and then it was on Twitter. And then once it Twitter, the community going to let it go. And now for everybody's enjoyment, they could just watch it over and over and over. Um, is that the moment that Dash Balder probably thought people were going to replay the most on Twitter? Sure enough, that's what we got. And I'm not going to... That's true. I mean, for, so, I mean, before I rudely, I guess, botched um, the, what you call it, the botch of the year. I mean, for me, I picked something. Um, I think it's always. I, I think it kind of goes back ten years ago. Also, if you think about it, ten years ago. I mean, let's take it back. 1998, 1999. You know, the whole Austin, Austin and uh, McMahon storyline, right? McMahon says, "Hey, you gotta join me. You know, you gotta be the corporate, you know, person, whatever, right? You know." So Steve Austin looks at him with the beady eyes and says, "No." Rips a double bird, stuns him. And what does this guy do? The owner of a big multi-million dollar company botches a stunner. Fucked up. And now you see 10 years later, same kind of spot, but this time with a new upcoming wrestler in in Kevin Owens, who quote-unquote just got recently fired again, and then basically setting up a new feud, this time with, of all people, Shane McMahon. It seems like all, all McMahons don't know how to take a stunner. I mean, if you look at Linda, she couldn't take a stunner. Steph, she couldn't take a stunner. I don't think she even took a stunner at this point because probably Triple H. But um, at this point, I mean, if you saw that whole spot, it was just it was just something that was just dying. I was like, holy shit, this is ten years in the making, and the father can't do it. 
The sun can't even take the spot. Holy shit. So the whole time he was doing it, setting it up, Owens did a good job of doing it, but then this guy ducks before he even hits it. And then he's trying to go ahead and fuck it up. And then next thing you know, Owens had to redo it again. Actually hit it. This guy overreacted. Oh, fuck. That's it. Okay. And everybody's just like, wow, it's the joke of the year. But yeah. That's my pick for Bosch of the Year. Are you going to introduce my pick? Rich, I'm telling you, man. I already botched too many times, man. I think 2020 is going to be the botch, the year of botches for me, man. I'm scared of botching this one. Well, since <laughs> someone is afraid of botching, yeah, my pick for botch of the year, Goldberg doing the jackhammer to Taker at the Saudi Arabia show. Well, yeah, it was like, I mean, that's the thing I was thinking. I was like, what really was kind of fucked up in this? Like, was it the spot where he, he accidentally concussed himself? Or was it the spot where he fucked up that jackhammer? But I think it was probably the whole match. And I think the whole... It, like, well, if I had to pick one specific spot, it would be the jackhammer one. The jackhammer one, yeah. He almost injured Taker. That's pretty fucked up. He almost concussed Taker. And from what everyone has said from backstage and everything, Taker, who never gets pissed, was ready to kill Goldberg. Right. And I don't blame him. But that also goes from Matt Riddle, which was friggin' hilarious, oh, who man. always talks shit. But, but was, everyone knows that Riddle and Goldberg are feuding. That's right. And it kind of seems like, and there was that moment in that documentary where they had uh, Riddle with Goldberg, and the whole time you see Goldberg just like, Cringing up, he's like, holy shit. And then the whole time they're just talking, and then he's just like, yeah, bro. He's like, don't call me your fucking bro. And he's just looking, he's like, okay, bro. Just, that was fucking Sorry, hilarious. Bro. Sorry, bro. He's Sorry, like, bro. He's like, don't call me bro. And then he says, okay, bro. The ball's in this guy, man. It's crazy. So, I mean, you gotta say, that's Matt Real for you. Just remember, Lesnar... Lesnar fears Riddle. It's a proven fact. Google yeah. it. That's true. I mean, that's probably why they're not sending it up yet. So, for Royal Rumble 2020, you never know. He's in the match. Maybe Matt Riddle's in the match. You never know. Maybe Matt Riddle might pick number two. What a sight that would be. Never know. I mean, let's talk about... We talk about, of course, Botch. Moving this in. I guess talking about all the other stuff. Breakout star of the year for 2019. Nick, take it away, bro. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. I can roll with that. Take it away. Um, he's kind of... I, I am taking it away. Um, <laughs> uh, one name has kind of been synonymous with NXT ever since it kind of... Uh, ...kind of become a, a viral sensation, whether it's his uh, shoulder pounce that fall into the first row... Or um, his uh, Thanos-like ability to just kind of rise from out of nowhere and just get the death stare to whoever is near him. I am talking about the one and only Keithley. Now, um, funny thing is, uh, and the three of us, we, we 
we've kind of tracked uh, Lee's progress from Ring of Honor to NXT, and it's it's only gotten bigger and better for him. Keith Lee's kind of always been known as this big guy who could fly, probably the biggest guy who could fly. So, so who are we kidding? And, um, you know, for a moment in Survivor Series, uh, he was hanging up there with Roman Reigns. You know, it looked like for a second that maybe he just might beat Reigns. Um, of course, that didn't come to be, but they teased it enough uh, to let us have fun with it. And um, better yet, they kind of sh- had a show of respect. There, it's only going to be a good thing uh, for for the two of them. Um, and I think, uh, I th- I think the smart move would be to have Lee eventually beat Cole for the for the NXT. I think Lee's kind of proven he could be an asset. Um, he could be a worthy champion. I think it's it's something that NXT should do uh, while the momentum and I think being a uh, defending uh, reigning champion who just kind of takes on all calls. And don't forget, NXT's main event scene right now is pretty much really want you got Tampa, you got Balor, um, you you could throw Riddle in there if you even really want to. Uh, Riddle and Lee are kind of like their own. They have like a friendly rivalry. There's a lot of different things you could do, and uh, you know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious to see what the Keith main event would look like. I'm sure we're gonna get at one of these takeovers eventually, and maybe they do what they did uh, towards WrestleMania. We have uh, Lee kind of win the title there, uh, as opposed to right now in January. But who's to say? This is all Triple H's. Uh, this is Triple H's game the pawn pieces and, and the chest. So ultimately only one person could really make that decision. But uh, I do think Keith Lee is, is, is something worth striking while the iron is hot. I don't know about you, guys, but I feel pretty comfortable. Yeah, it's true. I mean, so the reason I brought up uh, Keith Lee, because we're also going to be talking about, and I know you and know someone else picked him for another topic. Um, and I think it's it's a big thing because if you look at this guy survive, I think that second half of the year, the second or third half of the year, it was just like this whole thing where uh, there was rumors that Keith Lee was getting a lot of uh, like I said praise from Vince, which is very rare. A lot of people don't see a lot of that in big guys like Keith Lee's size. But then if you see what this guy could do. Well, with not him even. Now, well, not even that. We all know Vince with one specific thing. Yeah. The race. That's Which right. is a big surprise to me, actually, that he actually has high praise and wants to actually push him. Because we all know Vince doesn't really push people of different nationalities, different races, whatever. Yeah. I mean, if you talk about it, like early in the year, Andrade, for example, they said, oh, the reason there was a big thing going around that the reason they want to push him is because he didn't speak English. Which is kind of like, duh, like you're trying to break one of the, like the second largest or now becoming the, the biggest growing, you know, second language speaking population right now, the Latino population, which is now growing now. You know, why not, you know, what does that have to do with anything, you know? Like, you know, now this guy's doing his promos in Spanish and he's probably getting a lot more out of it than anybody else. I mean, but taking it back, talking about Keith Lee, we'll probably talk about him later on. Um. I mean, for me, I pick, of course, somebody that's, 
who I think really stood out this year in terms of breaking out, meaning, you know, somebody who from the start of the year is different from the end of the year. Baron Corbin for me. I mean, on top of the fact he won King of the Ring, you know, he well, the whole year he became the most hated person from becoming... Uh, sorry to interrupt you, but I actually have a pretty funny thing I just realized not so long ago. Yep. What channel is uh, SmackDown on? It's on Fox. Who just bought Fox earlier this year? Disney. So that technically makes Baron Corbin a Disney princess. That's true. Well, I heard Disney queen. That's what I heard. No he's, a, no, he's a princess. The queen of the ring or the princess? <laughs> I guess the princess, yeah. Fuck it. He's a princess. He's a princess. Yeah. She's silly. But I can tell you, I mean, if he's the he's princess, a, yeah. He's an STD. He's an STD. He is. I mean, Rock famously called him an STD. I mean, on top of the fact, if you look at him on social media, he trolls everybody. He doesn't give a fuck about it. You know, little kids curse him out. He curses him out back. He just, like, makes kids cry. That's his job. He's doing the, what he loves to do. He said it on, on, on uh, what you call it? I think, WWE backstage in an interview. He's like, I love what I'm doing. I enjoy it. That's why he's in WWE. And I think I talk about this all the time where, I think years prior, I put this guy as, like, the prospect guy, you know, the big top guy that's going to become world champ. They didn't do it. Unfortunately, not yet. But I think definitely, well, you know, they might have Well, we can... We can agree he is one of the best heels in WWE. At the moment. Because just remember what Triple H said. If you're playing this gimmick and you're not making people hate you, are you really a heel? That's true. Everyone hates him. Yeah. He's probably probably the perfect heel in WWE. This guy gets death threats. Like that's real good heat. That's that's bad heat, but you know, if you're getting death threats, it's bad heat. It's bad heat. Iron Sheik once said it. Iron Sheik once said, you know, that he got all this heat. And people used to get scared of that. But they, the boys told him, they said, nah, that's good heat. That's what you want. You know, that's the kind of heat that you want. Especially nowadays, that's rarely where you have that. Especially in this kayfabe era that we live in, where everything's on the internet. Everybody knows wrestling and all stuff. You know, it's hard to do that now. But yeah, it's, this guy's doing it. It's good heat, but it's bad heat. Bad heat. It's exactly. good heat on you because it's building you as a heel. That's right. But it's bad heat because... It kind of makes you feel like a piece of shit. <laughs> True. Yeah. Well, what about... We got to talk about your pick, man. Well, I know I picked someone, but I actually had a surprise. I'm throwing a curveball. If that's okay with you guys. Sure. We, throw, we love throwing curveballs here. So, um, I'm, I'm, <laughs> fine, I'm fine with that. Just explain who you picked. Yep. Changing it up. Well, my pick for a breakout that I told you guys was Darby Allen. Just for the fact, I think he had a great year. Headlining a Dynamite episode against Cody. Opening a Dynamite episode against Cody. Had a pay-per-view match against Cody. Had a title shot against Jericho. Has had multiple... Amazing matches in AEW. But as of recent, I wanted to change my pick and figured make it a surprise. My new breakout star is your United States champion at the moment. Andrade. Yeah, Andrade, probably one of the biggest rising stars. Well, let me ask you guys this. And everyone knows I am a big Andrade Mark. 
true. I think Andrade I love Andrade. Probably one of the biggest rising stars right now. But uh, let me ask you guys this: Do you think that? Well, we talked about this. I think uh, I think they they said this in the previous podcast. We talked about running the rope series. Uh, but do you think that they're really going through with this? Like they're going full speed. Andrade, Rey Mysterio at Mania. I think it might actually be Andrade versus Dominic. Dominic. I don't know why. I have a feeling that either the Rumble or possibly a little bit after, we will see Dominic in the ring. Like, actually wrestle, not just appearing and helping his father. Yeah, I mean, he could. You never know. I mean, if you look at the whole last year, you know, he, yeah, he was involved in the whole Brock Lesnar storyline, and now, you know, it, it wouldn't make sense to kind of have him come back. Uh, but, Nick, what are your thoughts? What do you think? Do you think, uh, amidst all these rumors that Ray's about to retire, wherever the case is, do you think they're going to go through this? Like, do you think it was, they're going to go through with this, like a full-on storyline one-on-one, or do you think they have other plans later on? Well, this is, this, this is my thing with it, because uh, the funny thing is Mysterio's kind of at a point of his career where he's actually being uh, treated like a legend, and it's kind of fun while it's lasting. Um, is, a, is a ladder match Andrade? Uh, does it grab my attention? Yeah, sure. Now, um, you know, how, how much can Mysterio really do in a ladder match at this stage of his career? It's a question you have to ask yourself. Um, I do think the two uh, put on outstanding matches. So, you know, if we if if we have Raws with uh, Mysterio and Andrade and, and Alistair Black and Buddy Murphy, uh, if you just have that fill up one of the hours, hour. Um, but I think the funny thing is, as as good as Raw has gotten over the past uh, month or so, kind of crafting its own identity. I think you have to give a lot of credit to uh, Rey Mysterio for kind of taking the ball, the ball, the ball, <laughs> and running with it. He's had a lot of really good matches. He's helped put over stars. Yeah. Even had a run as a U.S. champion. I mean, there, there's uh, there's a lot of things to say. And uh, I mean, they even worked in the sob story with Dominic. Like, oh, I was gonna retire, but oh, you talked me back into it, and I, I'm kind of clamoring for a Dominic to kind of turn heel on his, just so I could get that one uh, father son kind of storyline. A legitimate like, oh, father son. Eddie yeah. or, I know they'll never say that on WWE nowadays, and it's um. You know, there's uh, there's a lot of different routes they could go, and I I don't know. Mysterio, well, Nick, you're you know, in his about career, real, Nick, you're talking about a real father son storyline, not a Kurt Angle Jason Jordan father son. We don't want that shit again. Fuck that. Ah, that bullshit. No, this Hell would be no. a real. And I think, and 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 I think Dominic could use the rub. I mean, uh, he is pretty much a trained wrestler. I thought that. Um, you know, for for some reason, I always had the haunting feeling like he was gonna just turn on on Ray eventually, just to like. To, I wouldn't to, mind seeing Ray to, to stop Dominic. him to stop him from retiring, and and then just you know, the fact that he would talk him into not retiring and just you know taking him. Out. 
and assaulting him, that would be such a despicable act. He would get over as a... But as it would be great viewership. Like, like, right away. That's true. I also wouldn't mind seeing that at WrestleMania. Yeah. Dominic versus it, Ray. It, it could be a mania. You know, it could be, oh, uh, you know, father versus son, uh, you know, career versus job, or, you know... Um, that actually wouldn't be bad. Uh, yeah, mean, maybe maybe they could throw in a stipulation. You know, if, if Ray fires and um, and Dominic gets a contract, if uh, if Ray wins, Dominic can't ever or WWE or, or something like that. Of course, this would be after the heel turn, so they'd have to find a way to get a lot of heat on uh, on Dominic. But I think attacking his own father is is a pretty good route to go. And again, just, this is all just speculation and rumors. There's uh, no confirmation to any of this happening. But uh, it seems like right now the, the story that they want to tell is with Andrade and Mysterio. And I, and I think Andrade's uh, actually getting over uh, successfully for the first time in a long time outside of really good matches. This is the first time I think people are actually taking notice of him and uh, I'm going to credit uh, Paul Haven's booking on Raw. I mean, there's no denying it. He's, he's, uh, I really enjoyed this most recent past episode. Everything's just kind of coming together. And I kind of like that Rey Mysterio at the forefront of this, uh, of this new Raw brand. I'll definitely take it over this uh, SmackDown crap we've been given. Outside of the Daniel Bryan uh, and, and The Fiend, obviously. Um, I definitely think Raw is kind of the better brand right now. It's got it's got its own identity, and I uh, just kind of want to see what more comes of it. And uh, definitely Rey Mysterio's name. So that. And the big question is, what the hell is inside Rowan's cage? I think it. I I think it's gonna be a a parrot. I think they're gonna throw everybody off. A buzzard, another buzzard. I mean, I, I mean, I I think we can all say this. It's better than all the stuff that they're doing with the whole Lashley and uh, Rusev storyline. Like, I, of course, I understand Heyman tries I to be very. The weird thing is, I, I think I, I, I can. The rest of it is so is good. It's so good that I could put up with the Lionel Lashley stuff, and it's almost like let's make it so bad that it's entertaining the people that don't watch wrestling, and and it's just going to be so bad yeah. that it's going to be good. And yeah. I think that's just kind of the feeling that I get. They're even throwing a lesbian in there, yeah. too. Yeah. But um, all signs are kind of pointing to a Rusev and Liv relationship. Yeah. So I don't know where they're really going to go with the lesbian stuff, if that's the direction they want to go. But, hey, I will leave this to the bookers. Do whatever the hell you want. Just give me more Black and Murphy and Andrade and the stereo matches, and yeah. you can do whatever the hell Yeah, I mean, again, we, we, well, we always talk about booking style. And putting new stars in the forefront, I guess new prospects, if you will. I mean, we talk about it all the time. There's always these new stars, but I think and even wrestlers have said this before. Before they didn't used to go ahead and put wrestlers in, in the forefront. Maybe here and there, a couple of wrestlers that were, you know, on contract would shine here and there. Maybe like a squash match, but to go full blown, like for example, you talked about before, Murphy and um, Black, probably one of the biggest storylines right now. This whole thing, everybody's talking about it. It's this whole. Like, they're giving them time. It's like a New Japan wrestling, pro wrestling match, if you look at it. Wrestle Kingdom, every single match, there was no time limit. Give them all the time that they want to do whatever they want creatively, and it'll work. So, it's the same kind of thing. 
I mean, we're on the same line, same subject. Top, top, our next, our next uh, topic, top prospect for 2020. So we're talking about 2020, moving into 2020, the new year. Who is going to be the top star or the new prospect that all the big promotions are looking for and who will shine this year in your mind? So we talk about breakout star, breakout star in terms of who will really shine all of 2019. We talk about that. Now we're talking about 2020. Who do you think heading into 2020 is really going to shine, uh, shine and become potentially a breakout star? I mean, well, I'll start it out. Yeah. Uh, being the fact that it's someone who was literally just spoken about yeah. by Nick. My pick is Keith Lee. Yeah, we said it before. I mean, of course, this I'm guy... Not gonna re- I'm not going to repeat anything because Nick just spoke about him. Yeah. Only thing I could add to what Nick said is if he has a big impact in the Royal Rumble, I don't see him lasting in NXT much longer. I see him getting called up. Or in the words of Ciampa, getting demoted to Raw or SmackDown, being the fact NXT is the main roster. But 2020 is going to be the year where everyone backs best in his glory. I like how you put it there. I mean, if you talk about big men, and we talk about this all the time, for me, I feel like, you know, beyond just, okay, you know, this guy is this foot tall, whatever, he's Vince's, you know, perfect archetype. For me, I picked the top prospect for 2020 because he's making a lot of noise in 2019. Um, he's related, of course. I mean, I think everybody says this all the time. To the Samoa, to an Onai family, of course, he's a Samoan. I'm talking about, of course, Jacob Fatu from MLW. Probably one of the top prospects, I think, in my mind. If you look at this guy, look at his stuff on YouTube, look at his stuff on MLW and AAA, he's killing it. Doing some really big stuff. Shout out to you, Werewolf. But, I mean, he's just really, really, like, you know, I think the, the size that he has, but then on top of the fact, the things that he can do. And the same line that's keeping He is a big guy, and he can fly. He can fly. And, it, again, he kind of emulates. If you look at him from afar, he looks just like Umaga. You're like, oh, shit, that's fucking Umaga. It's so, Umaga. when you sent the picture in the group chat to yep. me and Nick, I could have swore that you took a picture of Umaga from like 2005 or some shit. Yeah. I could have swore that was Umaga. I thought it was Umaga's son or something. Yeah. And I think we talked about this. But actually, I think what it is is actually, uh, I think he's related to the Uso somehow. And like the Usos have another, and I found this through research, Usos have another brother also that's with them. So, I mean, you never know. Maybe this guy might. Break into WWE or Impact or one of the big promotions, and you know, I mean AEW, AEW baby, yeah, AEW, you never know. AEW, but yeah, that's my pick. And then, I mean, of course, we had male picks. We got this. Also, doesn't exclude the females or anybody else, but which next. leads to Nick's pick actually, Nick's. which is not a bad pick at all. Not a bad pick indeed. Yes. All right, so um. Well, this might be an interesting uh, placement of her being that 2019, I think, arguably gave us the most character development. Um, she was part of the Sky Pirates, uh, one half of them, before one half ended up uh, getting called up to the main roster. She was kind of left uh, with nothing to do, um, so she started this uh, friendship with Candice LeRae, few with Shayna Baszler. 
And then the moment came uh, where she just decided she didn't need anybody. Came a and um, with the help of Poppy and uh, Scary Mask, uh, the best video package you will ever see. I see nowhere else to go but uh, Io Shirai. Um, I think with this new character that she has, this new edge. Um, I think the the ball is totally in her court, and she's gonna just knock it out of the park. Because uh, now she could be that that badass that uh, a lot of people have uh, <laughs> commended her for being prior to being in NXT. Um, she's not about smiling faces anymore. Uh, she's about dark leather pants, an angry face, and just the will to win. <laughs> and uh, there's no other way to sum it up. Um, you know, it's it's perfect timing. I think uh, this character change kind of needed to happen, and I, I think the the image is perfect for her. Uh, I love her t-shirt. I love the video packages, the entrance theme, and th- this is just the way to go. Um, and I think I think um, the stage is set for her to kind of take over twenty twenty. And I don't I don't know what her twenty twenty is going to look like so far, but uh, maybe maybe she could be in the Royal Rumble. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's, and I think probably one of the best, I'd say, character changes compared. I mean, if you look at 2018, there have been a lot of heel turns and, I guess, switches, like moving from one side to the other side. I mean, if you compare this to, let's say, Bailey turning heel, you know, dyeing your hair black, contacts, ripping up the Bailey buddies. I mean, if you look at Io Shirai, totally complete shift, and it was totally unexpected. No one expected it. I think with Bailey, everybody kind of expected it, but with Io Shirai, nobody saw it coming. Yeah, Sorry. bellies. It was just a matter of when it was happening. Exactly. We thought when we all knew it was. It was just when are you going to do it? Exactly. Sasha had it. Charlotte had it. Uh, what you call it? Uh, Becky had her her change and everything. All these changes work, but then you look at Bailey. It's like why not? But then Eosha uh, is probably the prime example. It just came out of left field. No one expected it, and the timing of it. It was just like wow, holy shit, you guys going to do? And it goes back to what me and you said. At the Survivor Series one, the Survivor Series podcast that we did, which you could check out on ProSingOpinion.com. Yep. Another one, Nick. All these plugs, yep. man. All these plugs. The um, thing that I'm talking about, Sal, you remember when I brought up a random statement? When a female goes from face to heel, That's she right. gets hotter. That's right. I think you yeah, were talking about that. We talked about that with Real Ripley, all these other characters that. Changed it, not just the Yeah. Io Shirai is on that list also. Definitely. I mean, and then, they, of course, if you see that whole year when they had the NXT invasion angle, you saw these kind of cool interactions. One of the biggest, coolest interactions, I'd say, was NXT, where you saw Io Shirai go face-to-face with, uh, what you call, Kyrie Sane. And they're just looking like... Oh, that was that was great. The world stopped for, like, a minute, and we're like, holy shit. And then, you know, they ended up breaking up, like, boo, why the fuck, you know? But... It's a great moment to see that stuff, you know. Um, we talk about again. We're probably like I said, we talk about a lot of topics. We talk about superstar of the year, female of the year, match, breakout star, top prospect. Uh, I think one thing that well we can kind of, I guess, tie this into right here. Let's talk about rookie of the year, rookie. Because of course we talk about breakout star, we talk about prospect, but rookie of the year, meaning somebody who you never heard of that blew up. I think all of us pick categories for this for this category. From, of course, New Ran. We're talking about AEW, of course. Uh, but, yeah, let's start with Rich. Rich, 
You and me have the same pick, but you tell me, man. I think no rookie had a bigger year with the exception of the one that Nick chose, which his will be spoken about in the next couple minutes. In the past couple weeks on Dynamite, he has been basically shooting his shot with celebrities. One was Victoria Justice's sister. And last week was Selma Hayek. He is the Spanish god. He is Jericho's up-and-coming star. None other than Sammy Guevara. Yeah, I mean, I picked Sammy Guevara for the same reasons. This guy, you know, pretty young, you know, starting on the year. You know, of course, AEW first signing, new brand, new promo, new promotion. It was this whole thing, like, holy and, shit. Yeah. And remember, he had the first match in AEW history against um, Kip Sabian. Yeah, a great way of kind of starting out the promotion, but then also... Everything we, we talk about this in our podcast, I think the running rope series that we had, or a little shoot thing that we had, but we talk about this all the time. It was a great way to start the whole, I guess, a new era with AEW and everything, and he was in the forefront of it. Of course, not then becoming into, of course, Jericho's faction, you know, that was like a whole thing and everything like that. It was a whole, we talk about this all the time, too, but I think if you talk about this guy, he's blew up, you know, he used his social media as a great thing, enveloped his character, and, you know, started becoming this whole other phenomenon you know look him in the ring really big spots people call him flashy i guess old school people call him i'll say oh you know too flashy he does too many spins he does too many flips listen that's just him i think that's what separates him from the pack why not you know and if you look at it he's probably blown up more than anything again if you line yourself with jericho what better way to get yourself over but yeah wait wait, wait. what'd you just say what better way to get over do you know what else gets you over? What is it? Sal, do you know what time it is? Yeah, tell me, man. It's your, your short time. It's tagline time, isn't it? Yep. We talk about it all the time. Well, PWO. Well, being the fact that we have the owner of the website, I think we should let him do the honors. Yeah, so I like, I like your... Uh... I like your train of thought. Uh, yes, pro wrestling opinion. That's that's uh, what up, my technical logical baby. Uh, you can check it out for pro wrestling news reviews. Uh, just throw some news up there uh, regarding some shows that uh, pro wrestling revolver is going to be doing. Uh, also announced a uh, recent merger between uh, Smart Mark Video and uh, IWTV, which is good news for being an independent wrestling fan. And uh, I think this is a good transition to uh, now I will be um, I never heard of this guy before I watched uh, Double or Nothing uh, and it was kind of interesting because his voice just kind of grabbed my attention right from the back and uh, I was getting flashbacks of like uh, EC3 and, uh, and, and The Rock when he was in his prime Maybe a little bit of Alberto Del Rio and The Miz in terms of like character image, and uh, and he, and he's got the three, the, the three best initials you could just throw together, 
MJF. I mean, I don't know if it holds a candle to NJL, but, uh, you know, um, now the guy has been more about being dick than in the ring, um, but he does have good in-ring credibility, and I know he was trained by Kurt Hawkins. He came from the Creative Pro Wrestle Academy, which has been affiliated with promotions like uh, Wrestle Pro, Impact Wrestling. A lot of people in that school have gone on to become faces in promotions all over the United States, and I think uh, it was just only a matter of time JF was going to find his way to a national spotlight. What better one than AEW? Of course, he was kind of at this uh, Cody Rhodes storyline. Had an interesting thing going, uh, kind of being the uh, the bad guy that's kind of friends with the good guy that he had going on for a while. Uh, of course, that led to the turn. Oh, I, oh God. And just remember, he's better than a, you. It was a turn that was so bad it made me sneeze. And just remember, he's better than you, and you know it. Yes. So this guy, this guy talks. People listen. I mean, he's got that voice. Reminds me of EC3 when when he was, uh, you know, not holding red cups, frowning on the place. It and gives me hope. New- and 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 he's, and he's only, a New Yorker. He's only twenty three. Yeah, he's, he's from a New Yorker. Yeah, Plainview, Long Island. So it's a, it's about as good as can be. I think, and the, the and the funny thing is, I've watched hours that he does outside of the ring, and 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 I think he's very much MJF inside outside of the ring as he is inside of it. Um, he, he he's one of those few people that that really blur uh, the lines of kayfabe, and uh, and I love him for it. So I oh think he stays in no, character there's no other, so much. There's no other where there's nowhere else to go. For Theater. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we always talk about this. I think we can draw different parallels. We talk about getting heat. MJF is on that line. I think he's on the same wavelength, wavelength as all these other guys trying to get heat. So, you know, why not? But I think this kind of ties into all the stuff that we talked about. If you've seen the majority of the categories that we talked about, we involved a little bit of WWE, a little bit of, uh, say, you know, probably Indies here and there. But we were talking mainly about AEW, you know, NXT. We talk about the Wednesday Night Wars, quote unquote. That's what it was dubbed. That's what it was dubbed. Um, AEW going head to head with NXT. WWE's batting down the hatches. No one's talked about our. The what? Who? I guess they died. Who? But what? ROH. No. Yeah, ROH. Don't know him. Man. Well, never, yeah. never heard of him. Never heard of him. No, don't know. I mean, we've Never been to a show. Them. We've been to a show, but I mean, they're totally non-existent. I don't what think the, they're. I mean, anymore. Rich, that that's interesting because ROH was your promotion of the year in 2018. How the mighty have. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean, here's the thing, too. I mean, NWA. I mean, the only the only thing I give them right now is the fact that their head booker is actually Marty. That's the only thing I really give them. Yeah. Like, I mean, congratulations. Mm-hmm. Marty Squirrel is now your highest paid person, mm-hmm. and he's your head booker. I'm telling you, man, it's just basically impact all over again, but yeah, we'll have to see what goes on. With your, that. your champion is 150 years old. <laughs> yeah. 
But I mean, here's the thing. I mean, here's, uh, when we talk what, about what else can we really say? Yeah, I mean, well, here's the thing. Look at promotions. I would say it's kind of like this. We have NWA who recently tried to reboot itself, and now they have like the whole studio show format. I think where wrestling works, it'll stay. There's something out there. NWA Power. Yeah, it's fucking dope. It is. They have. I some, actually yeah. watched a few episodes. It's pretty fucking awesome. I think this is a good time to to give a plug for my music site. Um, if you guys are familiar with uh, Zicky Dice, who was just on this recent episode, he's actually the lead singer of this band called Heart to Heart, and they were just signed to a record label called Invogue Records. You could check it out. The Music Bugle. Uh, anybody who's watched NWA, I've watched snippets here and there. I kind of want to get into it. But I absolutely love their presentation. They're kind of old school all the way. I think uh, I think we need more of that and less Canadian destroyers all over the place. That's just me. That's right. I mean, we do talk about this all the time. I think it's really Nick Nikon nailed it. You nailed it in the head. I think really what it is is everybody has every promotion has its own like niche. Like if you look at back in the day, looking at the territory system, it was basically like one promotion had this, one person, one promotion had, you know, the foreigner, one promotion had the all American guy, one promotion had the Hulk Hogan's, one promotion had the, you know, Randy Savages. But there was, I think, a specialty in every promotion. But I mean, we, I mean, for that point, we've been talking about this all the time. We got to talk about the year 2019, which promotions made the most impact, I'd say. We talk about ROH, we talk about NWA, you know. Don't worry, none of us pick. Yeah, of course. Impact. No one's gonna pick that, of course. But I mean, last year we talked about we had you know, we had big promotions like ROH on there. New Japan again made a big splash, and then of course WWE, which of course is flagship. But this year, 2019, I say, well, this that we're talking about, 2019 promotion of the year. Me and Rich had the same uh, pick, and of course we're sticking with the Wednesday night, I guess. So we got AEW, and then for Nick we got NXT. Nick, let me. I want you to kind of start off. Why do you think NXT was the promotion of the year? Because this was the first time that they went live um, in October. Now, uh, don't get me wrong, AEW had all this time, but they could have chosen any any day of the week. Uh, they happened to go on Wednesday, which NXT has been on for the last four years or so. Um, so they kind of forced NXT's hand, and uh, you know, um, when Triple H is influenced, um, he could do bad things. Uh, look at look at what NXT kind of did to ROH. They kind of they kind of put salt on some of the wounds a little bit when they decided to run shows. You know, same days as Sam- SummerSlam weekend, WrestleMania weekend. They just ran a show opposite, right up, right in, right in the same neighborhood. So they 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 pulled a little bit of a WCW invasion kind of thing. Um, NXT's got all the stars. They got the big matches. They got the logical storylines. Triple H to basically made a global phenomenon, and it's only getting bigger now. It's actually kind of like a legit third brand. Uh, and look at this most recent year Survivor Series NXT right up there in the marketing. Uh, they took over a SmackDown episode that's widely regarded as the best episode of SmackDown uh, in like years, which I can't blame them for because the main event was Adam Cole and Daniel. Where's that good? Twenty plus minutes and a clean finish. I mean, that's what dreams are made of. NXT 
T is yellow and black, and it's just the way to go. Uh, 2020 probably just might be more of the same. Don't get me wrong. I do like AEW's products, um, but I think some of the excitement that was there initially, uh, you know, at, once the shiny new toy loses its luster a little bit, it, 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 it'll, it's only a matter of time to get bored of it and want to switch to a new toy. Uh, NXT has kind of always been there. It's always been delivering. Uh, Triple H has got a stranglehold on the independent wrestling scene. He could pretty much get anybody who's making a name for themselves out there and, and bring them into NXT and make them a bigger star. Uh, um, he's done it countless times. A lot of everybody who's on the main roster pretty much made NXT. Um, I mean, there's not enough good things that you could say. If, if a brand is responsible for a match like Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano, I I mean, that's going to be my pick, <laughs> yeah. bar none. That's true. I mean, I, here's what I can say about AEW. I mean, of course, NXT, great brand. I, I think really the black and yellow brand has made its own name in itself. I mean, if you look at it from the past 10 years versus now. 10 years ago, there used to be this brand that used to be this reality show-based type of shit by Vince McMahon and Kevin Dunn. And, you know, this would fucking go ahead and jerk off in the fucking production truck talking about oh let's go ahead and make some like challenges yeah. Let's not forget that yeah let's and go genesis stuff make it like oh man and let's go ahead and start making you know like competition and stuff let's make it all quirky and cool you know all sort of bullshit it was like come on man like you know we, we needed something and then you know people thought okay it's dead ecw nxc fuck all that shit move up and now of course you know they started making this whole thing and you look at it 10 years later now it's this whole brand that is owned on itself and again, there was to the point where they were booking and thinking about Royal Rumble. They're like, what if we had NXT Superstar win, not declare the Universal title as his, as his match, not declare the World title as his match, but maybe the NXT title as like the headliner for WrestleMania of all pay-per-views. We talk about this all the time. That would be a big deal. But I mean, for me, I think eight, and I think Rich could probably speak on this too better than me. But AEW for me probably is like the brand of the year, I'd say. If you look at them from the get-go, they started out making all these things, and for a minute, it was actually getting WWE scared. Like, if you, it look, if you look from the beginning of the year, they started batting down the hatches, people were about to leave, it was a big bargaining chip, because now all the all the, the wrestling business, all the whole wrestling, wrestlers were kind of like talking amongst each other, like, damn, man, I'm getting this much money. Oh, I can get this much money. It started to become a whole thing now. Now wrestlers are being valued as commodities, not just, okay, you know, this is just one thing or whatever. It's actually like a real, like, you know, kind of thing where it's like competitive now. It's good. Competition is good for everybody. For wrestlers, for the fans, for everybody. So I think AEW is offering that where it wasn't before in the past 10 years or probably in the last five years. Well, my reason for AEW, just think about it. A little over a year ago, it was literally just a t-shirt company. They had no wrestler signs, no headquarters, no venues for any of these events. It was just Matt, Nick, Cody, Kenny, Tony Khan. I forgot Tony's father's name. All just sitting at a round table, pitching ideas. Let's get a company going. But it all originated back around WrestleMania of 2018 with a fucking douchebag named Dave Meltzer. Oh, you guys definitely can't get 
10,000 people in an arena to come watch you guys. Took them, he, uh, Cody and the Bucks and all them took him on his deal. Not only did they get 10,000, they got 14,000 people in the Sears Center. Fast forward a couple months later, make an announcement that they're going to start their own company. Fast forward another year, it's going head-to-head with WWE. And just for that reason, I give them company of the year. Promotion of the year, company, whatever. Just for the fact they went from a company that had literally just three t-shirts to selling out arenas in less than 20 minutes. That's a fact. I mean, we always talk about the alternative. And it's one of those things now, you know. So now... It's kind of like you're a kid in a candy store. One person likes chocolate. One person likes Skittles. Okay, fine. You know, one person likes M&M's. There's a whole bunch of options. Take your pick. What more do we want? That's good for wrestling. You know, go for the business, go for the pants. Well, I mean, we talk about, I think wrestling brings emotion out of all of us. It gets us all excited, mad, sad, angry, pissed, whatever the case is. But I think we talk about a couple moments, intense moments, I'd say. Quote, unquote, promos. Segments, pipe bombs. Let's talk about pipe bomb, promo, segment, something, a segment, some kind of, something on TV, something on wrestling that really kind of shined out and it kind of went, holy shit, this is a, you know, a moment that was an aha moment. Like, oh, wow, this is going to change the business or this is going to, you know, do something different to my, you know, viewing pleasure. We talk about this all the time. Promos, probably the staple of every single, you know, promotion, every single program, I'd say. Whether it's SmackDown, XT, Raw, EC, you know, whatever the whatever case is, watching any kind of show, there's basically a format and a promo is part of that, or a segment, or a pipe bomb, whatever the case is. In our case, I mean, we talk about AEW, of course. Um, you know, we we talk about this all the time. I think I'll just start off with this right here: Cody Rhodes in AEW. So, of course, that promo. I think we're talking about this all the time. Uh, for me, it was just that segment where he goes and makes that career announcement. He said, if I, like, you know, and it was coming from the heart. You could tell. Like, it was from the screen. You could feel that. You're like, holy shit, this guy's talking his heart out. Like, you could tell he's talking about his dad and everything. Talking about his whole, everything that, you know, this is basically the build for Jericho and Cody Rhodes. I think they're full gear pay-per-view. And it was his whole build about Cody, you know, not losing his cool, you know, becoming champion, all this stuff. And then, you know, there was a whole culmination. And, you know, this, this, the, the, the whole segment was about him putting everything on the line. He said, listen, if I don't win this title, I'm never going to get a shot again. So he said, all right, I'm, you know, I'm basically doing something that, that most promoters don't do. If you look at Triple H, for example, is he going to go into NXT next tomorrow and go, oh, you know, I'm going to win the title? No, I mean, he's the boss, but, you know, I think any promoter, any top booker wants to make the best benefit for their brand. Cody Rhodes, of course, I think he's he speaks his heart out, but he not only put himself over, he put AEW over. So that's why I picked Cody Rhodes' AEW segment is probably my segment of the year. That stood out to me the whole year. My reason for that same pick, being the fact we had the same one, was the fact he was cursing on cable television. He's saying, like, Chris Jericho, you're a dick. 
Yeah. That has been unheard of since probably Austin doing it in the 90s. Yeah, I think and it's also... Fact, like you said, he was speaking from the heart. Yeah. And when you bring in Dusty, of course, that, that kind of brings everything into one big kind of um thing right here because now it breaks that mold from reality based to you know wrestling and all stuff kind of connects us to and for me it was just kind of this kind of thing i think you can relate with this where it's just kind of when you make that barrier when you make that change like we talk about this all the time looking at all the both like most um you know the biggest promos that stand out whether it's the rock you know whether it's stone cold they had some truth behind it but at the same time also connected to the crowd the, the way that they spoke it and everything you know we talk about probably recent what about that angle where they had, I don't know if you guys noticed, Becky Lynch was, you know, taking that, like, recently. She had this whole thing, the buzzsaw, you know, she was blinded, and she was just making that whole promo, close angle. What does that remind you of? Attitude error, right? It kind of makes you think, yeah. holy shit, the style of this promo, holy crap, like, the way they're going in, the way their language, their tonality, holy shit, this guy needs business. I think that's how promo should be, you know, but I think that's why it kind of spoke to both of us. It was like, damn, man, this really speaking from the heart. You know, but yeah. Okay. Now, um, to uh, to go off with what you guys said, you guys brought up some valid points, but uh, I mean, did Corey Graves not shout "Holy shit" um, on an episode of Raw earlier this year uh, when the stage pretty much exploded? Sometimes shock value could be a good thing, uh, but when you make it too much about it it kind of overshadows everything else now uh my pick's gonna be a little bit more uh looking at it in terms of uh long term now uh for the longest time bray wyatt was somebody who wwe could kind of rely on as a stop and go kind of character they kind of went as far out as they could use him um but every single time that he would get into a high-profile match, he would lose. Uh, start back at the bottom, build his way up again. Another high-profile feud, he'd lose again. Back to the bottom, build himself up again. High-profile match, he'd lose. Team with Matt Hardy, uh, that went well for a, for a little while there. He was even on a little bit of a face run before he got injured. Uh, just for the longest time, Wyatt's name has always been synonymous with the... Uh, Dropping the ball. Now, um, always the kind of guy who wants to reinvent himself. Uh, something emerged that kind of grabbed everybody's attention, and it's uh, three words Firefly Funnies. Basically, this kind of split personality between a uh, children's show host and uh, killer clown <laughs> is basically the only way I could put it. Uh, it's kind of become a it's gotten a cult following. People are, are loving Rambling Rabbit, uh, uh, Abby the Witch, and uh, and uh, Mercy the Buzzard. Uh, it's just basically kind of become its own thing. It, it kind of helped the fiends, uh, you know, become what it is now. I could do without the red lighting, but I kind of like the effect that it has. Uh, but that's just me. I'm probably in the minority with that one. My brother has actually gone to show and complain in person about the red light. Um, but uh, we can't deny that Bray Wyatt's kind of basically reinvented himself. And it's basically all of his doing. Uh, everything that you see was kind of 
born from his idea, and Vince just kind of backed it. Um, now, is the in-ring work great? No, honestly, but I think it's more about the, it's one of those cases where it's more about the character than it is about the person playing the character, and I could buy into what the character is doing. Uh, the Fiend's merchandise is, uh, is a big seller. That's um, that's no secret. Um, the belt, yeah, hell of expensive, but it was designed by a uh, by a big name in the horror movie industry, so that's kind of going to come with the territory. Um, the Fiend wouldn't be what it is today with the, without the Firefly Funhouse segments. And I always like to go back and watch that first episode and how it kind of foreshadows everything we would see. How uh, Wyatt takes a chainsaw to a cardboard cutout of his old self, which kind of leads to the lantern that uh, he would bring in his entrances. Uh, the little subtle references to... Uh, to the fiend, the herd and heel stuff. It's just it, it, at one point, you know, uh, the main reason for wanting to tune into Raw because the show was so bad was just to see what the hell Firefly Funhouse would bring us next. And uh, as we go into 2020, the fiend seems to be uh, being set up for a big WrestleMania program, uh, which isn't the first time that Wyatt's done it. But I think this is the first time that he'll actually be taken seriously in the role. And, you know, he's kind of become uh, like a mainstream uh, appeal. Uh, people who haven't heard of wrestling or WWE are actually familiar with The Fiend. It's kind, It's got that crossover appeal to it. And, you know, none of this happens without that Firefly Funhouse segment. So I have to give the nod to, to that idea. Kudos all around. I mean, we talk about this all the time. Yeah. Not a bad pick, though. That was not a bad pick at all. It's something creative. I think we can all speak on this. It's a creative thing. You talk about a year back, the whole broken Hardy gimmick. In fact, he killed it. Came to WWE. Sort of brought it into his own. But I think it's really where it kind of started. And, that, and then you saw Bray Wyatt kind of turn that and spiral it into his own thing. And then reinvented himself in a way. So, again, I think we can all agree with this. Of course, if wrestlers had their own creativity into it, any kind of thing, they could do anything. So, I mean, that was really where it kind of, you know, kind of went, holy shit, this is something really big. We talk about big words. We talk about, of course, on the same line of emotion. So we talk about events, promos, pipe bombs, whatever cases, segments. We got to talk about oh my God moments or holy shit moments, hardcore moments, whatever you want to call it. Basically, these are moments where, you know, a big spot, it could be, you know, something that, you know, no one expected. From left field, especially in this age where we're in social media, we're talking about since 2020. You know, everything's on social media. Everybody knows stuff. You know, the internet doesn't help, but you know they they will just spoil anything. But you know, when when something catches us off guard, can't help but say those three words or say that two word letter word, whatever the case is. You know, and we just react. You know, um. Now this is a really big thing right here. Of course, another AEW category. We brought up some from AEW and also from NXT. So, I mean, we got to talk about this and break this into it. Rich and Nick had the same pick. I'll let one of you guys take over from this, but you guys had the same pick. What's well, your, oh my God moment? there's only one way to actually introduce this category. Nick, since you're a big ECW person, you'll remember this. Sal, you're a late WWE person, so you'll remember Joey Styles. This is the oh my god moment. Yep. 
I think you did it justice. Three letters, three letter, three letters, or three. I guess you know. Now it's just like a little friend. I guess you know we just post in our little social media chats, whatever. But it's it speaks volumes, though definitely. But onto it. Oh my God, moment. Well, me and Nick both picked the same one. It was none other than John Moxley debuting in AEW. Just for the fact, we, everyone knew he was going to sign there. It was just a matter of when. But it was an unexpected appearance at one of the shows that they had. Which Double or nothing. Up, which one was it? Double or nothing. Double or nothing. Where he just showed up and did what he had to do. Which built up his the beginning of the feud with him and Kenny. I mean, we talk about this. John Moxley. Do you guys feel that was more of an indie extension, or was it, do you think that was a reboot of Dean Ambrose from 2018 when he was doing WWE? Well, the well, the promo video that he had on, I think it was Twitter. I want to say I could be wrong. Yeah, Twitter. It was a great promo video, actually. Yeah, but do you feel like it's an extension of his Dean Ambrose character, like the loose cannon kind of stuff? Or do you feel like it's more of, of him uh, capitalizing on John Moxley, like the CCW aspect of it, you know, pre-WWE? Well, uh, to be fair, uh, he was John Moxley, or he was Dean Ambrose. So Dean Ambrose is kind of an extension of John Moxley. So um, I think this is just him going back to his roots. Um, I'll talk about it a little bit since uh, me and Rich had the same pick. Um, my reason for it is the shock value alone. Uh, this was a little bit less than two months after he left WWE. Uh, supposedly, supposedly on amicable terms. Uh, WWE even did like a Shield special. Uh, farewell to the Shield live special. <laughs> the Shield's final match, chapter three hundred seventy-two. Yeah, yeah. Those the Shield's final match for about three months. And uh, then, and then we got finally realized. Well, hey, this is it. Uh, it's finally happening. And then we were just wondering, you know, uh, we know he was going to show up in AEW eventually. Uh, the, all signs were pointing to it, but there was no better way to do it than at the end of of uh, of the big name pay per view. Um, you know, the the way the crowd reacted, uh, the video spread around social media like wildfire. There's no way you can't not include just for the moment. I still watch the video. Yeah, I still watch it. It's symbolic. I mean, if you look at it, like the whole segment, you saw, you know, you saw him. Uh, you know, I think it was he was he got in the ring, took out. I think it was Pack or Omega, going after Omega, and they're standing on top of a poker chip. Kind of symbolizes like holy shit, like you know, they're risking. Oh, that was um, that was Kenny. It was Kenny? Yeah, but then if you saw it was Moxley standing on top of it, you know, bracing the crowd, it was like that was probably one of the. Snapshots, I guess, if you look at that whole pay-per-view. Basically, it was just him standing on top of there going, okay, now what, you know? They have all the poker chips there. Like, all right, we're going all in with this. We're, we're risking it all, you know? Uh, do you guys remember Do you guys remember the actual promo video? I've seen it leaked, I think, on Twitter, but not the full promo. Where he is breaking out of prison and then the barbed wire around the hand. I thought it, 
everyone knew just for the fact there were certain things that were pointing towards AEW. I think, and then the thing was also there was like this rumor that a WWE star had rumors of signing with them or intention of signing with them. We just didn't know who it was. We thought it was Randy Orton for a sec. We thought it was, you know, another big star. And the next thing you know, it turned out to be John Moxley over time. We were like, oh shit, you know, this came out of left field. Like, oh wow, never expected that. So, I mean, true, it's, it's true. Like, you know, that we never expected that from showing up ever. Um, I mean, I'll tell you from my pick. My pick was actually a spot. Uh, we talked about the Warren Games match, real good. The men's match, women's match was really good. With the men's match, one thing that really stood out to me was Tommaso Ciampa hitting his finisher from the top of the cage onto uh, oh the fairy tale ending, fairy tale ending on the top through a table. That's fucking wild. Like, and then you look at Adam Cole. All <laughs> goes, going back to going back to our Survivor Series episode. Remember what me and you spoke about right yeah. after that? Right, right. Hell. The fucking guy doing the video. Yeah. I don't know who Britt Baker bullshit, is. Yeah, bullshit. They don't know who the fuck she is. It's like, come on. Really? Like, you guys don't really know who the fuck you're pointing to. Come on. Either that or it's Kevin Dunn. I'm telling you. Kevin Dunn probably didn't know because, you know, he doesn't follow anything outside of WWE. So, he probably, it was probably Kevin Dunn that made that call. So, you never know. But, I mean, it's just, I think for me, that spot was just kind of crazy because you never see that. Like, that kind of, of, uh, it's like our modern age of, uh, you know, the whole Mick Foley being thrown over the hell in the cell, in a sense. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, this guy went through so much. Of course, you know, he had he also had a match the next night. He did this whole thing where he had to get off a plane, fight um, uh, Daniel Bryan, and then in a, in a title match on SmackDown, literally, like, I think, what, 30 minutes after getting off of a plane. And then on top of the fact, the night after he had to go out and fight in that big match, uh, what you call it, um, and kind of steal the show right there. But he did it, and he made it work, you know? So that kind of brings it out for me right there. When I was looking at that, that, you know, kind of brings you the quality of, you know, work that Adam Cole has, you know? And then on top of the fact, the kind of spot, dedication that he has towards this, you know? So, you know, that's my pick from there. Uh, I think what else we got left? We talked about, of course, you know, a lot of other t- uh, topics right here. We got a couple left. Before we go into Performer of the Year, Let's talk about tag team. Yeah. Tag team of the year. Nick. Uh, we all have different selections. Yep. Sal, pick yours. I'll pick mine. I mean, for me, I picked an actual, I mean, I picked the team simply because this is, you know, if you look at their history, it kind of makes sense now. You know, in 2018, they dominated, you know, ROH and New Japan. Hey, we. Yeah. We saw them in their final. We saw them in their final Ring of Honor match. Yes, we did. Yes, yes. And they bowed and remember. I think I was telling you. I was like, yeah, this, they're going, and they actually went that later that year. But um, for me, it was just the Viking Raiders. Viking Raiders because if you look at their quality now, you know they put on big, high quality matches, especially for their size. So I mean, for me, it makes sense. I mean, if you think about it, you know, in in New Japan, they dominated in almost every single promotion. They dominated basically, became big World Tag Champs. You know, made their mark. And if you're making it in WWE, especially when the brass of WWE are very, very judgmental about who they put on the top spotlight in regards to tag team and stuff like that, it speaks credit to them. So I feel like they had probably the best performance of 2019. From NXT, tag champs, to now, you know, being the main roster, you know, to fighting in the, you know, World Cup for the tag titles, you know, coming in second place. Why not, you know? It's kind of like, you know, I think they should have won, but due to the storyline, they wanted to have Carl Anderson and... um. Uh, what you call it? Uh, Luke Gallows win. 
So I think basically on just tech, on the technicality, I, I don't think that they should they shouldn't be the best tag team in the world. I think they really are because they've been everywhere. But yeah, Nick, what's your reason for your pick, and who is your pick? Well, yes. Um, I mean, you can't say tag team and not go undisputed era. I mean, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly are about as crisp a tag team as you're ever going to have. Um, they managed to make potential MOTY candidates with almost everybody they step into the ring with. Um, a little less than two months ago, we got treated to a uh, revival and undisputed era official O'Reilly match that a lot of people were praising, uh, myself included. Um, pretty much they're that one team that you could throw in there with anybody and, uh, you know, and they'll always deliver. And this kind of goes back to even their ROH matches. It's just something that they're known to do. And uh, I don't see any signs of that stopping anytime soon. Um so uh, if I'm thinking a tag team, I'm thinking of, a, a, you know, a unit, you know, um, two guys that kind of balance each other out. Yet when they come together, it's uh, they're unstoppable. I mean, if, if, if Fish and O'Reilly are the personification of what a tag team should be, at least in this day and age, y'all should get a, a, a CAT scan or something because something is off in your brain. Not a bad pick. Not a bad pick. Not a bad pick, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Rich, you gotta tell us, man. I know you hate this guy because he was dating Diana Ferrazzo. But why, man? Why? Why his faction? Of course, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about my selection. Yep. Villain Enterprises. Again, Marty Scroll. The man. reason. Yeah. Why? You the hate this reason guy, behind you? it. <laughs> Name another team. Besides the Bullet Club, that held two separate six-man tag titles and the Ring of Honor World Tag Team titles simultaneously, and they held the majority of 2019. That's true, but then if you look at it recently, they lost their six-man tag titles on ROH. But they held it for almost a full year, though. That's true. That's true. But well, hold up. So they were tag champs and six man tag champs? Yeah. In New Japan and ROH. Gotta yeah, give them that. And then also, on top of the fact, they're Marty School's faction. So, you know, makes sense. He's, I mean, still, a, he's, still, a, he's still an asshole. We still have beef. Still have beef. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. still got it. But... Great pick, though. Great pick. And of course, they got their he, own belts. He... I mean, he didn't show up to um, Wrestle Kingdom 12 when I challenged him two years ago. Oh, really? You got to call him out again, man. You got to call him out. I'm telling you. There's still unsettled beef between you guys. If we ever have a signing, we're going to go to that shit. I'm telling you. I have a Deanna Prazo on a pole match. Deanna Prazo on a pole match. Or a forklift match. Fuck that. Cool. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we talk about pretty much all the categories. I think probably the best way to end this year and in review or slammer lemmies we got to talk about the new category new category brought up by rich rich himself the big guy so of course the performer of the year so i mean before explaining this what do you 
Rich, what what do you think? Uh, you know, kind of summarizes this whole category. We talk about superstar of the year. Well, how's that well, different former of the, the year? reason? The reason why I introduced this category is just for the fact of performer of the year is basically it's a male or a female who each one of us individually believe has the best year in wrestling just for the fact of how big women wrestling has established over the last year or so like Becky Two Belt uh, Tessa Blanchard fighting all of OVE Tessa Blanchard fighting Brian Cage Tessa Blanchard getting a world heavyweight title shot and winning. So, all in all, the performer of the year is the male or female superstar who had the best year in wrestling. Yeah. And being the fact I introduced this category to the Slamalamis, would you guys mind if I do the honor of revealing the inaugural performer of the year? My selection for performer of the year is Adam Cole. You didn't say it right, man. And it's so inaugural that I picked them too. I picked them too. But I mean, I think because this is where I was kind of conflicted with. I was thinking between superstar of the year and performer of the year. I think Rich had both the same. But for me, I had someone else different for for performer of the year. I mean, I think, really, Adam Cole did have a good year. I mean, we talk about it all the time. We talk about, you know, undisputed and everything. Having the best faction, you know, winning all the titles. You know, their goal was beginning of the year to win all the titles. They did. All they have left is just a women's title, so they didn't bring in a woman. And they even said in interviews. Said, uh, it's going to be Marina Shafir winning it very shortly, and she's going to join Undisputed. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, they even said that, like, maybe we might not. We're not sure. I don't think there's you no know, need for it. So, you know, you never know what might happen. Uh but, of course, 2020 looks like a good year for him. You know, he might be coming up to the main roster. You never know. But I think we've always said this. You know, if you're brought to the main roster, it's basically like a death sentence because they're not going to use you. Or they'll probably just give up on you like how Vince usually does. But for me, I feel like this person, I mean, we talk about the same line of, you know, WWE, the you know, the main show, but then also all this other pop, you know, this political bullshit. I think John Moxley is probably the form of the year. If you think about this guy, he made the jump early this year. He was where he was in WWE, and then later this year he ended up doing AEW. He went through like a serious series of infections in his arms. I think really that's where it was in the elbow and stuff like that. But then all these other that's stuff. That's why like, he didn't have his. That's why he didn't have his match against Pac. Yeah, and I, of course everybody's anticipating him, and then we were kind of devastated when we heard that oh, he was not competing because you know this diagnosis or whatever. But then we all kind of like you know understood, and it was like whatever, fine, you know we understand. But then if you look at this whole picture that they had, they really built it up in the right way. And, I mean, of course, with John Moxley, if you look at his whole story from the whole 2019, he started out, you know, talking about a podcast. He felt like he was caged up, like nothing was really going on for his weight. He felt like he was in the same system, doing the same things, no creativity. And then you saw it later on in this, you know, in the year, totally different, you know, kind of thing. He had all those, like, hard times where he had the injuries. He was out of, you know, almost a life-threatening situation. He came back, bounced back in it. And now, you know, you see him, he's, you know, leading, doing his own thing, you know, happy in 2019, the end of 2019, you know. So it kind of brings me to the fact that he's probably the best performer in the sense that he's always gone ahead and 
um, change his character, not just physically, not just not just in professional view, but then also in terms of you know his own personal life and everything, and switching that around. So that's why I think John Moxley's performer of the year. Again, not a bad pick. <clears throat> but the reason for Cole, name a match he had that was bad. Really can't. Yeah, I don't think we really can. It's hard to say. Every, every match he has had on a takeover has been five stars, six stars, match of the year candidate. Yeah, it's an endless, it's like a, a a family bloodline. <laughs> you got uh, you did it with Matt Riddle on, did it with Gargano like two or three times. He was involved in the male war games, um, uh, even I think against Balor, um, he really did good. Uh, basically everybody, <laughs> um, and that's I think that's what uh, what even the makes- matches that he had on SmackDown and Raw. Daniel, yes, yes, and uh, and again, I mentioned it earlier. It's my favorite WWE TV match, the one that he had with Daniel Bryan, which was an absolute dream. And I think that's kind of what puts this category in a different spectrum. Is that it's uh, it's it's more than just superstar of the year. Um, as a fo- uh, uh, you know, it's performer. Um, actually, what you do in that ring makes a difference in terms of why you get this award. And um, there's no denying that Adam Cole has it, and he's brought it in the ring, and he 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 deserves to be NXT champion. He's worked long and hard. A lot of people wondering, you know, when the hell is he gonna get a title? He was in NXT for about what two and a half years already, didn't hold the belt once, and people wondering, well, once he finally got his chance, you know, Ch- uh, Champa kind of. Uh, I don't want to say hog the spotlight, but kind of, you know, uh, the focus was elsewhere. Um, Trump's injury might have been the best thing that happened to Cole because, uh, you know, it gave him the chance to finally get that long-deserved run. And shocking, shocking developments. He's actually taking the ball and running it. Who would have thought? That's true. I mean, it kind of brings back to, like, AJ, I'd say, like, what, the year before, where... He had to do all that stuff, you know. He did all that like nonstop travel, and I guess perform stuff like that. I mean, it's oh, we spoke about this. Yeah, yeah. He went from talk. South America. Yeah. On a Saturday, pay per view Sunday versus Finn, fighting on Monday Night Raw and fighting on Tuesday SmackDown. Yeah, so much wrestling in one week. I mean, how can a person do that? You know, especially now when we talk about like you know. CTE and, you know, wrestlers dying at early age and stuff like that, these guys are still able to do it. So it just kind of says, like, you know, I think and I think the majority of mass media kind of looks at wrestling and says, oh, shit, you know, this is a professional, you know, profession where a lot of wrestlers don't last for too long, you know. But then I think, of course, the whole year 2019 kind of summarized that and it kind of said, no, there's actually a way now. I mean, of course, with AEW and all this kind of attention towards, you know, all this stuff and everything, it's something... Um, there, you know? So, I mean, the big thing, you know, we talk about 2019, we talk about all this stuff and everything. I think one of the big things is just, um, you know, all this, you know, we, we talk about heading into 2020 and everything like that. Of course, a great year, a lot of great things going on. 
I mean, we got to, you know, a lot, we got of, a big year. Things, a lot, lot of, of big things coming for our RSN. A lot of big things. Of course, you got to check out PWO. Check out the Music Bugle, of course, from, of course, on, on Nick's website and all this stuff. Check his babies out, definitely. Uh, but check us out also on YouTube, on Facebook. We're also on Twitter. Uh, we're in the process of getting into Station Head. We're on Anchor. We're also on various. Spotify. Yeah, we're also on a Spotify, lot of different Apple. Yeah, a lot Android. of new, a lot of new uh, platforms too. So we're on Bullhorn. We're on. Um, we're also on uh, iHeart Radio podcast, which is fucking huge. Like holy shit, iHeart Radio. Never knew that. Um, and then also, like I said, I think we're on another platform too. I think Pod. Uh, I forgot the other one was. But there's a whole bunch of other platforms that we're also getting onto. So definitely check that out. Of course, we're gonna have a whole bunch of other the topics coming is, soon. Yeah. The goal is to get on one specific one. Yep. Podcast one. That's always the goal. But, you know, and also, of course, like I said, I'll see her. I think we can all speak for us at, at RSN. We're trying to go ahead and deliver the best kind of experience in terms of, you know, being part of that wrestling fan, you know, kind of experience right here. But then also delivering, you know, the information, stuff like that. But, I mean, if anything, you know, we're always here. We're always going to be talking about stuff. We're always going to have a running the rope segment. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much it right there, right? So, I think. Yeah, feel, all the fans, feel free to inbox us with any ideas you guys want to do for future episodes. Maybe we'll feature you on the episode that you requested. Never know. Yeah, definitely. And you can follow us that on, on all the different platforms that we got. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff right there, you know. But nonetheless, this is the RSN Wrestling Podcast. Mastermind, signing out. We got the big guy, Rich. Big guy signing out. And we got PW's own. And Google's own. Nick Lopez. And this, yes, yes. Saying so long and farewell. Farewell, guys. We'll see you guys out. See you guys. Peace.